Welcome to Fight Back Radio, the Marxist voice of labor and youth in Canada, and the best source for revolutionary analysis of current events, perspectives, and theory. The following episode is from Marxist University, a series of discussions held in the fall of 2020 to introduce people to the most fundamental and pressing Marxist ideas. Since Trump was elected, he has emboldened fascists to carry out bloody attacks. And with the polarization of American politics, it has become commonplace for political commentators to refer to Trump as a fascist and warn about the rise of fascism. In this episode, Fight Back editor and organizer Joel Bergman discusses what is fascism? Is Trump a fascist? How does it arise? And how can we effectively fight against it and win? Uh, cool. Uh, well, yeah, thanks, Sam. Thanks, everyone. It's good to see so many people showing up to, to for this event. Um, well, we all know why we are here. I think pe- people maybe saw what happened at the event last night. <laughs> Trump once again gave a nod and a wink to far-right fascist groups. Um, and this is, but this has been a, a recurring thing well, the last few years, uh, especially since the election of Trump, but not just with Trump. Uh, far-right fascist groups have becoming more and more prominent. They've been raising their heads. Uh, we saw Sh- Charlottesville, August 2017, that Unite the Right va- rally, chanting, Jews will not replace us. Uh, that's where, tragically, Heather Heyer was killed uh, by a fascist who drove his car into the rally. Uh, 2018, I'm just mentioning some of the main ones. There's actually quite a lot. Uh, Robert Gregory Bowers gunned down 11 people at a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Um, there's been constant attacks on immigrants. And now, earlier this year, this year, we had Kyle Rittenhouse killed two people at a BLM rally. Um, and as, as I mentioned, I mean, Trump has been focusing his attack on BLM and Antifa, naming them terrorist organizations and uh, claiming that the real problem is the so-called left-wing violence. Um, uh, but to be honest, the liberals haven't been that much better, uh, in normal liberal fashion. They might verbally recognize the problem, but actually don't do anything about it. Um, they're basically just claiming that there's violence on both sides, that their fascists and anti-fascists are morally, both morally reprehensible. Um, but as we know, and I'll just give some basic stats, the violence comes from the right. Uh, in 2018, I think most of the information I give is going to be from the United States, so I apologize, but I mean, that's, <laughs> I hope everyone understands why. Uh, uh, in 2018, right-wing extremists in the U.S. killed more people than in any other year since 1995. Now, if you don't know, 1995 is when Timothy McVeigh, an anti-governmental right-wing extremist, bombed a government building, killing 168 people. Uh, but so basically, in the, just in one year, there was almost that many people killed by right-wing extremists um, in 2018. And it's been similar in the last few years. Um, so this, I don't want to bore you with the details. I'm sure everyone's here because they've been paying attention to the news and they've seen these events and they've been watching them uh, with concern. Um, but really, this marks a new stage in the struggle. Uh, and this actually demonstrates the danger um, we shouldn't say that this isn't a danger. Um, clearly, <laughs> they are, they're killing people. Uh, they're killing left-wingers. 
uh, killing immigrants, killing black people, uh, things like this, um, and that they've, they've become more and more emboldened. Uh, they've come out of their holes and are feeling like they can uh, do whatever they want almost. Um, and, and to be honest, what, what's more important is that this is a general warning uh, to immigrant communities, to the left, uh, and to the working class as a whole. Um, but I guess the big question we should answer, which will help us to get to the, to answer the question of, uh, is Trump a fascist? <laughs> and how do you fight fascism? Um, is why is this happening? Um, well, it's important to understand the background. This didn't just fall from the sky. Um, the crisis of capitalism. Uh, what is the crisis of capitalism? Well, it's massive economic crisis that we that has occurred. Uh, that's hardwired into the economic system, where the working class is incapable of buying back everything that it produces. That more and more wealth inequality is a massive problem, uh, not just morally reprehensible, but actually economically makes the system unable to function. Uh, and we're seeing this again and again. Even to even this year, the economic collapse is unprecedented. The economic collapse triggered by COVID. Um, so we've seen a massive rise in inequality. We've seen uh, things like the middle class are spoken about in the past tense <laughs> in countries like America. The American dream is a thing of the past. Um, livelihoods of millions of people have been, are being smashed have, and have been smashed against the wall. So this is causing general radicalization and polarization. Uh, that is indicative of a socioeconomic system in decline. When you study revolutions, you notice a common trend. The socioeconomic system enters into decline, and it almost doesn't matter what any politician does, and it produces this polarization politically. Uh, it's reminiscent, what's happening in the U.S. is reminiscent of what happened in the Roman, Roman Empire, to be honest, Roman Republic, Roman Empire, that situation. <clears throat> so there's a general radicalization and polarization um, but it's not just the working class that feels this and searches for ideas, uh, which the working class, because of the role it plays in production, tends towards socialist ideas, which we're seeing a massive growth and in interest in socialism. They search class politics, right? It's not just the working class, but it's all classes and all layers which radicalize as the status quo becomes untenable. And that's what we've been seeing all around the world, but particularly it's on display in the United States. <clears throat> so polarization to the left. Uh, all the polls show, <laughs> seemingly out of nowhere, in the past few years, the growing popularity of socialism. Who, who would have believed it? In the anti-socialist country, the main capitalist country where capitalism has been the most successful, the McCarthyite anti-communist uh, country that led the Cold War against communism, You've had a growing popularity in the ideas of socialism, Marxism, and, and even of communism, um, which is astounding. Uh, this is complemented by mass demonstrations on the left. Uh, I've heard many people comment on this, that the, the current movement, which is actually still ongoing, uh, the BLM movement, if you even want to call it that, these days, the movement against the police, against police brutality, against racism, uh, is the biggest movement since the civil rights movement. It's probably even bigger than the civil rights movement. Um, we've had things like Occupy, um, even the Bernie Sanders phenomenon, even even the growth, the, the popularity in politicians of politicians like AOC, uh, the growth of the Democratic Socialists of America, massive strike waves of teachers, 
of dock workers uh, all over the U.S. Uh, this shows the polarization to the left and the resurgence of class politics. But you also have polarization to the right, because as I mentioned, it's not just the working class that feels that there's something wrong, that the society is in decay, that something must change fundamentally. So we've had a polarization to the right. You have the emergence of the alt-right. Richard Spencer, who is a Nazi uh, in all but name. He doesn't call himself one, but he totally is. Um, the various far-right fascist groups like the KKK have been rearing their ugly head again. Uh, the victory of Trump obviously was kind of a cherry on top of this process, representing, but we have to understand that Trump, I think more than a victory of the right, represents a collapse of the center. Uh, it's a failure of liberalism, actually. That's what Trump represents. I think we saw it last night in the debate, actually. Uh, uh, so this was represented by a very confused, contradictory anti-establishment mood that partially coalesced around Trump, which is why he beat Hillary Clinton in the last election. And the far right feels emboldened, and they are, they're emboldened by this. And Trump defends them, and he, or at best, he downplays the threat. Oh, the problem's on both sides. There are many fine people here, you know, things like that. Like, that's what he said about Charlottesville. So we've seen uh, increased racist attacks, Emergence of armed, basically, militias patrolling <laughs> uh, neighborhoods, uh, basically racist patrols. Um, these far-right rallies, clashes with, uh, violent clashes with the left. Um, yeah, uh, and the result of this is things like Charlottesville, things like, things like Kenosha. Um, now, does this mean that there is a fascist takeover in the United States, that we have fascism, as many people have claimed? Now, I think that is incorrect. <clears throat> we should not overestimate this, uh, that the actual fascists are actually generally small groupling, group, small groupings, small, small groups. Uh, even the Unite the Right rally, which occurred in August 2017 that I mentioned, was the largest white supremacist rally in decades in the U.S., they mobilized for months. They had lots of resources. They had people come down from Canada. They only managed to get 500, maybe 1,000 people to show up to that. And within the matter of a few weeks, the counter-protest outnumbered them. <laughs> um, so I think, you, can, you know, you, gotta put, you can't overestimate this, and you've got to put things in context here. Um, like, as I mentioned, the BLM movement is, is, is far, far bigger than this movement. Um, Massive, millions and millions and millions. So these, these people, it's a small marginal forge, force in America, fascism, real fascism. Um, uh, and we've even seen when they've tried, uh, really in prov provocative ways, like after Charlottesville, they tried again to hold a demo in Boston in 2017. There was a counter rally of 40,000 people that forced them to hide and they hid in a gazebo. They, and they end up running, they run, end up running away and going home which shows the real balance of forces. So let's not overplay this and say that there's a massive fascist takeover in the US. Um, but this does represent a new stage in the development of the far right. Under this kind of umbrella of the alt-right or whatever you want to call it, there's networks of fascist groups forming. Um, but again, let's not overestimate it. They're nowhere near state power and this isn't a mass movement. Um, uh, and it's, it has become quite common on the left to kind of label everything fascist. USA is fascist. Donald Trump is fascist. Uh, we, you know, we saw it last night. Trump giving a nod to the Proud Boys. Uh, 
and he definitely incites these maniacs, but uh, I will explain why I think that that's a bit overblown and somewhat incorrect. It's kind of like crying wolf, actually. And that it, it is important um, because it determines what we do, actually. Uh, what is, but what is fascism then? Uh, if Trump, if I'm saying Trump's not fascist, what is fascism? Well, I think in order to understand that, we need to go back uh, into the 1920s and 1930s, basically an epoch where you had fascism, <laughs> real fascism, uh, Germany. Uh, Germany, I'm going to use Germany as an example. I don't have a lot of time, so I can't go into, I can't do justice to go into Italy and Germany and other countries at the same time. So I'll focus on Germany. Uh, so basically, after World War I, Germany was defeated. There were sanctions imposed on Germany. Uh, there was a massive economic crisis. The working class was hit the hardest by this crisis. Uh, <clears throat> and the effects of the war, uh, it was really bad. That There's a tax on living standards, wages, uh, mass inflation. People maybe saw the pictures of people showing up with barrels of money to buy bread. Uh, there was factory closures. Um, this, this situation caused a revolutionary crisis of society that pushed the working class in the direction of socialist revolution. Uh, they moved in the direction of trying to transform society, that capitalism was a dead end and it couldn't provide solutions. Uh, and they rose up and attempted to transform society on several occasions. Uh, 1918, 1919, there was a revolution. Uh, there were Soviets. Uh, there was mutinies in the military, in the Navy. Uh, that was betrayed. Uh, there was, in 1923, there was 1928. All these were basically attempts of the working class. And it's important that you understand this so that you can understand what happened in the 30s, right? That the fascism doesn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, so you had basically the working class rose up, attempted to transform society, and, what, and was unable to. Uh, they were basically betrayed <laughs> by their own leaders. There are the Social Democratic Party, which was s uh, synonymous with Marxism at the time, and the Communist Party later that came about, uh, both uh, betrayed these revolutions. Um, but these, revolution th these mass movements of the working class came about, uh, and, and, and there were harsh repression on the part of the capitalist state. The capitalist state has to, it exists to ensure the rule of the capitalists, to ensure the rule of the bourgeoisie, uh, to protect private property. Uh, you see this in America. Um, but faced, and, and so it has to hold down the workers' movement. It has to hold down the revolution that's developing. Um, but, it, but faced with a, such a mass movement like a revolution, it becomes unable to, it becomes incapable. Uh, and therefore, it has to start relying on extra um, parliamentary groups, uh, paramilitary groups. Um, and uh, much like we see in the United States right now, what was Kyle Rittenhouse, if not? Uh, we saw him, how he worked with the police, and they actually encouraged it. Um, so <clears throat> in Germany, you had groups like this. You had the Free Corps, which were auxiliary organs of state repression, the Freikorps. I mean, uh, and this was really the origins of fascism. Um, you could say that some of these small militias and proud, and proud boys and types are similar today, used to terrorize the left and whatnot. Um, but uh, the, I think, uh, again, listen, we don't, need to over, we don't need to overblow that today. I, there are similars with the 1920s, 1930s, but there, I will explain, massive differences that are actually, I think, more important. Um, so at a certain point in Germany, uh, the crisis of society meant that the bourgeoisie could no longer 
rule use par using parliamentary or p the police or the, or the military. The class struggle was tearing society apart uh, and the capitalists could no longer permit the organizations of the working class. They needed to smash them to protect their rule. And they couldn't rely on the police or the military to smash them. They were too weak. Uh, and this is why fascism became necessary. Um, because fascism is a mass movement. I think that's very important that we underline that fact. Uh, it's not simply racism or someone being a particularly uh, a white nationalist or, or, or a particularly repressive government. Those things are actually common in all types of capitalism. Uh, but it is a mass movement. It is a societal phenomenon. Um, and when, the, when uh, there's a society in crisis and the working class fails to take power and the bourgeoisie becomes more scared of proletarian revolution than fascism. Uh, and that's a very, that's, that's what happened in the 1920s and 30s. Um, but fascism doesn't only become about because it's necessary, because the, the bourgeoisie needs it. Uh, like I said, fascism above all is a societal phenomenon, uh, is a mass movement. It, ha it has to have a societal weight. Uh, and so <laughs> how do they have that? How do you gain a societal weight? How, do, how does a mass fascist movement arise and become so prominent? Uh, it would be like if you had a rally of a half a million Proud Boys, not 20 or 100. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, the capitalist crisis affects all layers of society, uh, not only the working class, uh, but all layers. And, and actually, sometimes it hits, <laughs> it hits other layers harder, like small business people, uh, the petty bourgeoisie, the middle classes. Uh, it particularly squeezes the petty bourgeoisie. They get squeezed between finance capital, uh, the bourgeoisie, and the working class. Uh, and you can look at it. Most of Trump's most hardcore supporters are like this. The members of these fascist far-right groups are all like this. Um, small business owners, people like that. <clears throat> uh, usually from rural areas uh, that have had loss of income that are a bit hopeless. Um, they're, they're facing financial obliteration and ruin. Um, and this, this was a, there was a similar layer, was actually a massive layer in Germany at the time that had been completely ruined by the economic crisis that for a period of time was following uh, the, uh, the proletariat, was following the Social Democratic Party and the Communist Party as they were leading the struggle for socialism. Uh, but then once that was betrayed, they shifted and they became uh, whipped up and enraged and saw no other alternative and turned to the strong man of Hitler. Um, uh, moving on. Uh, so yeah, uh, Marx described this layer, the petty bourgeoisie, uh, these middle layers of society, as being unable to act independently uh, because they can't find an independent way out of the crisis due to their inter intermediate position in between the bosses and the workers uh, in, in production, in society. Uh, therefore, they fall into either camp politically. Uh, they fall either behind the capitalists or they, fa they fall behind the workers. <clears throat> and this is very, very key. Um, as I mentioned, uh, if the working class gives a decisive lead out of the crisis of capitalism to transform society, to build a socialist society, large layers of the petty bourgeoisie will follow the working class. But if it doesn't, you can have a very dangerous situation where they can be, these layers can be manipulated by far-right fascist demagogues, um, and they can turn towards reaction. Um, back to Germany a bit. Uh, so yeah, the results of uh, 
World War I, Germany was defeated. There were reparations. France occupied the Ruhr. There was a horrible economic crisis. Um, and there was a general sort of like lumpenization of the population, what I, a pauperization. What I mean is like there was mass unemployment for sections of the population. Uh, in 1928, uh, 650,000 were unemployed. By 1929, 3 million were unemployed. <clears throat> and, uh, and this is right around, right around when the proletariat rose up and there was the last revolutionary attempt to transform society. And after that, the pendulum swung to the right and some of these layers that had become completely disconnected from production we're not organizing collectively in trade unions anymore, uh, got uh, formed the basis of fascist shock troops, of Hitler's fascist shock troops. <clears throat> so one important thing, the petty, these layers, the petty bourgeois layers in the 1920s, 1930s were, a, as I mentioned, a huge part of the population. Even the majority in most countries, probably every country other than England, who had had an industrial revolution previously, obviously. Um, uh, so, uh, as I said, and many seeing the failure of the socialist revolution uh, came to saw their savior in fascism. Uh, and the capitalists, uh, faced with the revolutionary movement of the working class uh, and the threat of the USSR right close by, uh, were desperate and moved to, and moved to support Hitler. Uh, even internationally, uh, capitalist governments were supporting Hitler, uh, basically saying that he would be a bulwark against Bolshevism. Um, they ended up regretting that later, probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, millions. Hitler had a mass movement of millions of people behind him. You have to understand that. Um, and the capitalists put trust in him. Um, but they, yeah, as I, again, they needed this mass move, fascist movement to crush the working class. Um, um, but yeah, you required that sort of mass basis, this mass movement. <clears throat> so to, f to finish that off, what is fascism then? Well, historically speaking, it rose as a mass reactionary movement in the 1920s and 30s out of an enraged petty bourgeoisie that had become ruined by the crisis and a lumpenized layer of the, of the population. Uh, and this was out of an intense crisis of capitalism following World War I. Uh, what made it uh, different than other forms of reaction was that mass base it had. I emphasize that again and again. It's very important because it's become vogue to kind of label anything as fascist that is kind of not nice or racist. Um, uh, so yes, that's, that's what fascism is, and the capitalists use this mass, mass force as a battering ram to crush the organizations of the working class. Um, yes, that's it. Um, so one very important element um, is the balance of class forces. Uh, as I mentioned at the time, the petty bourgeoisie was the majority of the population in Germany, actually. Uh, uh, now, what is the case? That is nowhere near the situation. I think in, in, in every country, almost every country, every major economic power, uh, in every major country, even the majority of the population are proletarian, are working class people, <clears throat> either private sector or public sector workers. Um, and this, this helps us get to the root of the nub of the question is, is there fascism in America? Is Trump a fascist? Um, as you can tell, I was describing the 20s and 30s, there are many parallels. A capitalist crisis, polarization, ferment in all layers of the population, amongst the middle class and whatnot. But there's one big, big difference. Uh, these, these people are a marginal force in society. Well, you could say, oh, but they were a marginal force 
for Hitler in the early 20s. They were, more or less. Um, but the question is, can they become a mass force like they did in the, 20, in the, in the 20s and 30s, late 20s and 30s? Uh, I would argue that would be way more difficult for it to occur to today. <clears throat> uh, the social basis of fascism uh, that was based on that it was based on historically has been massively diminished. So Marxism, we are Marxists. Marxist is scientific. We analyze the the the, the balance of class forces in society, which is fundamental. It is of prime importance. One, there is no more peasantry especially in a country like America or Canada. You have rural workers, but they are workers. Uh, generally speaking, a lot of those people support Trump, but are they fascists? I would say that's a stretch. That's a no, actually. <laughs> uh, and actually, many of these people, uh, we saw a lot of teacher strikes. A lot of these teachers voted Trump and then carried on massive strikes in all these red states uh, that when they move into action politically and their class interests are on the line, they move collectively and they start to organize and their consciousness starts to go into the direction of socialism. Um, yeah, less small shopkeepers, less small businesses. Most people are working class. There's a general concentration of capital. My hometown in the Yukon, uh, Whitehorse, uh, I remember they set up a Walmart and a whole bunch of the small shops closed downtown. That's been basically a tradition that's happened all over. It's a concentration of capital. Most people become working class, right? And that's actually progressive, as Marx said in the Communist Manifesto. What the bourgeoisie creates above all is its own gravediggers. Um, students. Now, uh, maybe a lot, of, a lot of you might not know this, but in the 20s uh, and 30s, uh, the shock troops of the fascists were largely students because you couldn't go to university <laughs> if you were working class, or it was very difficult. Mostly these were aristocratic and bourgeois bodies. To, to give education to the kids of the, of the elites. Uh, but today, the, due to the mass expansion of public education and the post-war boom in the West, uh, well, pretty much everywhere, but especially in the West, uh, students are the bastion of, of the left, right? <laughs> everywhere, that's the bastion of the left. I mean, we're holding a Marxist university, and I think most people here are probably students. Um, so yeah, this is a traditional, these are traditional basis of fascism that had been whittled down um, and I think the final factor that is the most important is the growth of the working class. The growth of the working class, as I said, is the decisive majority in all countries, in all major countries. Uh, the urban population has grown massively. The rural population has shrunk. Uh, even middle-class professionals, civil servants, teachers have largely been proletarianized. Uh, and are actually bastions of the left. A lot of teachers used to be used to be supporting the right wing in the past, to be honest. But now they're they're bastions of the left usually. Um, so the the ba ba it's important to note that the balance of class for forces is overwhelmingly in our favor. Um, so is there a threat of fascism then? Uh, well, of course, the fascist groups that we have talked about they feel emboldened. They are growing. They are coming out into the open. Uh, but they do remain isolated sects. They are small, uh, composed of enraged petty bourgeois types. Uh, they do not represent a mass movement, and they are quite divorced from the masses. Uh, and actually, it's also an important factor to note that this is not actually helpful to the ruling class at the moment. Uh, you know, Trump might give these people lip service, but the ruling class as a whole is generally opposed to this. Uh, 
that's and and this isn't because they don't you know they oh we don't like them or something like that they will they will use them they're <laughs> even the liberals they're completely hypocritical with stuff like this but the far right hooligans are not currently benefiting or helping their ruling class and uh, i think the most far sighted representatives of the bourgeoisie realize this they recognize this that these elements are actually uh, helping the left <laughs> they're radicalizing mass layers of the working class and youth towards Marxism, towards socialism, towards anti-fa, <laughs> and you see, you see it with the mass movement on the left, and that actually freaks the bourgeoisie out. They don't like that. They don't like the general anti-fascist mood in society uh, that occurred after Charlottesville. You can see it in the polls. They don't like that BLM is hugely popular and, and BLM is calling for def defunding or abolishing the police. The ruling class hates this with a passion. So they want someone like Trump to go away and stop stoking the fires. And they want these far right groups to go away and stop it, you know? Uh, they wanna try to try to deal with the situation in their way. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the bourgeoisie does not find uh, these far right, these small far right fascist groups groups super useful useful at this moment um, so I think all of these factors that I've named make uh, a, a fasc fascism what you're really talking about is a mass movement of millions and millions of people armed crushing the working class uh, and taking power uh, to impose their rule like what's happened in, in, in Italy like what happened in Germany like what happened in Spain uh, I think because of these elements that I mentioned that a mass social phenomenon like this is actually le it's, it's definitely not there now. Uh, this doesn't excuse anything that Trump does, but let's not get carried away and say you have fascism. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely less <laughs> likely, uh, even if you said that it's, it's going to occur. Um, we should be confident that the, the class balance of forces is on our side. Uh, uh, now, I'm sure that Trump... Uh, wants to be a fascist, uh, or someone like Bolsonaro in Brazil wants to be a fascist, but wanting something and making it a reality are two entirely different things. Now, uh, I will be wrapping up soon because I'm starting to run out, I'm running out of time. Uh, as, as long as we have class society and capitalism, the racism, nationalism, uh, white, white, white nationalism, uh, uh, the far right, will always exist. It is important to, to notice this. This is very important. Uh, the ruling class has a material interest in fomenting racism and chauvinism. It allows them to divide the working class so that they can, they can, uh, they can maintain their class rule. Uh, the polar, so the polarization to the right, and also the polarization to the right cannot be and should not be viewed in isolation, but connected to the general polarization of society due to the crisis of capitalism. I see some people getting very upset that there's, there's a, or oh, there's racism and there's a far right, but you ignore the other side of the equation. This is what class struggle is, that revolution and counter-revolution come together. Uh, and we should, actually, we should actually meet that challenge. These, these bastards need to be fought. Now the question is, how? Uh, well, much of the people complaining about fascism are actually liberals. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the Democratic Party and liberals were saying that George W. Bush was a fascist. Uh, There's even t-shirts, fascist, <laughs> all over his face. Now they're embracing him. 
uh, <clears throat> but much of the people complaining about the fascism are liberals and that have gotten used to uh, their nice liberal, liberal democratic phase of capitalism, which really only has occurred in a few countries, right? It's kind of a privileged thing. <laughs> uh, where, the, where the politicians speak nice, uh, the racism exists, they never solve it, but they don't talk about it so openly like Trump does. They don't uh, foment it. Uh, they like a nice politician like Obama who deports more people but, but talks out against racism. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but the liberals are generally upset that the ugliness of the system is being flaunted so openly by someone like Trump. He's just saying what the system is. Capitalism is all of these things. Um, this is actually par for, for, for capitalism for most of its, its life. Um, so this doesn't mean that, <clears throat> that Trump is not a threat. Uh, it doesn't mean that these far, especially it doesn't mean that these far right groups are not a threat. They're a very, very physical threat. But the question is, how do we defeat the far right? How do we defeat fascism? Uh, the liberal response is vote Biden, right? Vote Hillary, vote Biden. Uh, we need to all unite together and water our politics down till they mean nothing. That's basically their program. Uh, now, uh, this is a curious argument. If Trump is a fascist, clearly you can't vote fascism out. <laughs> uh, but you see what they're doing. It's a sleight of hand trick to get you to drop everything and vote for them every time. Uh, so, but I think more importantly, you can't fight fascism with liberalism. Why? Well, even if Biden is voted in, he cannot solve the crisis. He only prepares for a bigger shift to the right. And it, he won't end the radicalization in society. He won't end those radicalized petty bourgeois layers that are moving towards uh, white supremacist ideas and, and fascist ideas. Uh, and just as Obama prepared for Trump, he would prepare for an even bigger shift to the right. Um, and fascism, liberalism is an ideology that defends capitalism. And fascism is an ideology that comes about in defense of capitalism it is a capitalism in decline. It is the last defense of capitalism. So liberalism offers no way out, and fascism offers a way to save the system. So you can't fight fascism with liberalism. And this is actually fundamentally why, why Hillary Clinton actually couldn't fight Trump. Uh, Trump was sort of offering his solution to the crisis, and Hillary Clinton was saying, America's already great. Well, when people are in crisis and everything's being polarized, you can't just tell them that America's already great and everything's fine uh, and we're going to not change anything, which is basically the same thing that Biden is saying. Um, uh, so this is why what we argue for is that we need to build a revolutionary, independent, working class alternative to the crisis of capitalism, not cozying up to the liberals, the Democrats, uh, not... <laughs> uh, uh, not trying to build this, uh, this big coalition against fascism. Uh, this only weakens the left. We need an independent, working-class, revolutionary, socialist alternative. Uh, uh, and, this, and this is possible. Some people say it's not possible. Well, I mean, I've already described the, just in the past few years, the mass movements, the polarization, the popularity of Marxism and socialism makes it possible. We can do that. And we're trying to do that here today. Um, and, and due to the position, the social position, the position that the, the working class holds in, in production, uh, the, uh, this, this, uh, this, this means that the working class, which is more numerous than ever, 
uh, can pl play and are already starting to play the fundamental roles role in a lot of movements, and I think is going to just uh, burst asunder and will the, all of the, the the movements that are existing and show the way forward. And uh, and I think uh, therefore we can be very confident in the future that people, more and more people search for socialist ideas, and the working class will show that you can collectively struggle, and they will show that you can collectively. Uh, beat these fascist bastards into the dustbin of history. Um, so the general perspective, I would say, is I, I would say it's it's overblown to say that there's a danger of a mass fascist movement. Uh, but again, this doesn't mean that the the rise of the far right is not a threat. They obviously they're killing people. Uh, we need to confront this. How? Well, obviously in Canada and Quebec, it's it's uh, where I am. It's not as developed here, but it's honestly not that far behind. Um, that uh, the same there is the same polarization taking place under the service under the surface, and uh, the events in the U.S. should serve as a warning to us. Uh, we've had Alexandre Bizanet, Alexandre Bizanet in Quebec City. We've had uh, groups like Le Mert. We've had the Three Percenters. We've had the soldiers. We have the soldiers' vote, and you have groups like this. Um, so uh, they are small, but they have potential to grow, and they will cause more and more problems. So. What do we need to do? Well, we believe that we need to build the forces of revolutionary socialism, as I hope has become clear already. Uh, we believe that this must be part of a larger struggle to mobilize the working class to fight for a better world against inequality, exploitation, low wages, unemployment, racism, police violence, and all the miseries of capitalism. And only this can actually demonstrate that there's another way forward to provide an alternative to this decrepit, decaying system and to cut out the feet from under the fascists. Uh, and this can provide a mass basis of support for struggles against fascism. We can have a united front of all working class organizations, trade unions, socialist, Marxist, anarchist, <laughs> anti-fog community groups, even the NDP, Quebec City there, can unite together uh, to have a united front against these groups when they raise their ugly head to protect mass meetings, to protect uh, immigrant communities, things like this. That's sort of like concrete stuff that can be done. Um, but in general, this needs to be connected to a mo mass working class mobilization of unity, solidarity, and the struggle for a better world, and the struggle for socialism. Because um, this, this threat will not go away on its own. Uh, it won't go away if you, that's why I don't like the vote Biden thing. Voting Biden does not make this threat go away. Um, uh, so, yeah, to wrap it all up, <laughs> we believe that the struggle against racism and fascism are connected to the struggle against capitalism. As racism is a component part of the capitalist system, uh, there will always be racism under capitalism. Uh, under conditions of, of capitalist crisis and the resulting polarization, the far right and fascists, they will continue to grow and they will pose more of a threat in the future. <clears throat> and I don't want to overblow it, but down the road, if if, if the working class does not find an independent socialist way out, they will uh, become more and more of a menace. Uh, and they are organized. If you look at Charlottesville, you look at Kenosha, you look at these militia groups, uh, and uh, we're not going to defeat these people. I've seen some people talk like that online. You're not going to defeat these people with love, right? <laughs> you have to join a revolutionary organization. I appeal to people here to join Fight Back if you haven't joined already. Join the International Marxist Tendency. Fight for these ideas within the movement, within the unions. Uh, mobilize for working, the working class against fascism as the only real way to defeat the fascists uh, and to build a better world for a socialist transformation of society. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Fight Back Radio. Fight Back is a revolutionary organization fighting for the socialist transformation of society. We are the Canadian section of the international Marxist tendency. We actively seek to educate workers and youth in the genuine ideas of Marxism in order to fight back against capitalist attacks and austerity and bring an end to capitalism. However, we won't be able to do this alone. So if you agree with us, get involved. You can be found online at marxist.ca, on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Canada Marxists, on Instagram at Socialist Fight Back, and on YouTube as Fight Back La Repos. For international news and analysis, check out In Defense of Marxism at marxist.com. The music in this episode is General Strike by Soul Jazz Orchestra. It can be found at souljazzorchestra.com.